We are talking about flipped, right? That is our, uh, that is our theme. That is our series that we're in right now. And I want to open up with a question. Do you remember, how old were you the first time your parents let you stay home alone? Six or seven, really? Nine, I heard. Twelve. Five? Oh, my gosh. I think I was in the fifth grade. I just remember, like, that was the first time they would let me walk home from school, and I actually got, like, my own key. And, and I was only home alone for, like, an hour, but that was, you know, I think it was fifth grade because I can picture the school and the house. Um, and we moved around enough that in my life I can picture the house. That pretty much tells me what school year it, it was. So, uh, yeah, I was, about, I was about the fifth grade. What about the first time that you, like, go to the movies with friends, but your parents didn't come? Like, maybe they dropped you off, and you actually didn't. Some of y'all, that was like last week, right? Some of y'all have barely gotten to do that. Mockingjay a few months ago, not that long ago, yeah. You had to like convince your parents, right? Yeah. I think, I want to say I was in that 12 or 13 range when that happened. Um, how about this? And I think there's only like two of you in three that, that this applies to. When you get your driver's license, obviously, turn, right, when you turn 16, and I don't know about you guys, I don't know how all of y'all will be, but I was that dude who, like, on my 16th birthday, I'm, not, I'm like, opening up the place, you know. I was ready to get it. My brother, Wes, how old were you when you got your license? 18? He waited two years. He just, he had friends, I guess, that drove him around. So he didn't care that much. Um, but here's the thing. All of these are examples of when we gain a little more control in our lives, right? When you stay home alone, all of a sudden you've got free reign of the house, and, and, you know, and then uh, you get to that point where you can go to the movie. You know, all of these are a little bit more control, a little bit more where we get to make decisions. And there's something in all of us that we want that. We want to be in control of our lives, right? That's totally natural. It's the way our minds work, right? When it comes to, to, to our home life and our school life and um, our school work or, our, if, you know, some of you guys have even already had actual jobs and practice and weekends, wouldn't it be easier if we could call all of our own shots, right? So we th you know, it, it probably would in some ways. Um, and if we think about the people that, that have that control in our life, who are the people that really have control of our lives? Parents? Who said Jesus? They said, come on, don't Jesus juke me. This ain't Facebook. All right, so I, I heard parents. Who else? Teachers? Coaches? Right? Grandparents maybe? Okay. Cops, cops definitely can't have a, uh, a control in your life. Sisters, some of y'all have older siblings that have control sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me ask this. One more question before we kind of move into the thing. Um, what, is, or, what is the one thing you wish you had more control of? Okay, be more specific than my life. Yes. You have more control of your brother. Let, okay, your life, not somebody else's life. What were you going to say? Your room, okay? Your parents make you clean it. You don't want to clean it. It's the best thing about growing up. I never clean my room. So you should choose what classes you, you took. When you can go to a friend's house. Your food. Huh? Where you want to live right now? You don't want to live in Odessa? I'm so offended. <laughs> She's like, I don't care, whatever. You see, I control of other vehicles. 
right? Wish they didn't drive so stupid. I understand that too. So there's like a million things that we can think of that we would want to control. Because deep down, most of us believe that we uh, should be, like, I am the most qualified person to be in charge of me. That's kind of the thought that most of us have, that if we had more control, things would go better for us. And, and that's a normal way to think. You know, I think the older we get, the more control we should have. That's the way life works, you know. Like, somebody like uh, Sam or Amanda, who are 18, having control of a vehicle, that makes sense, right? That seems fairly normal. But imagine if an 8-year-old had control of a vehicle. Then what happens? It ends up on the news, right? Like, you know, they go into somebody's house and people get hurt. Yeah, it's bad. So... The problem, the problem with taking control is that control has, has, it has its limits, right? Like, uh, it's great being in control until all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore. Until you, you hit that moment, stay with me guys, until that moment where I can becomes, I thought I could, right? <laughs> oh, I thought I had control of that. Turns out I did not have control of that. Because no matter who we are, there comes a point where I can becomes I can't. Where our ability runs out. Our strength runs out. Our intelligence runs out. Our control runs out. And we can be in charge of our actions, but we can't always be in charge of the outcomes. And sometimes no matter how hard we work to control a situation, it still turns out differently than we thought it would. Maybe you studied really hard for a test and you still failed. Maybe you had a boyfriend, girlfriend, you treated them really good, and they still eventually dumped you. Maybe you do the right thing, but you still get in trouble. And, and in these situations, we normally respond in one of two ways. When things, like, go, go out of our control, we, we respond in one of two ways. Number one is we take charge completely. Where now we don't trust anybody, we're going to go even further on the, I want to have control of this thing. Uh, we work ourselves to death to make sure, you know what, that thing that happened last time, I can work even harder, I can control even better, so that it doesn't happen next time. That's one of the options. The, the other option, when, some, when we try to control but, but, but it doesn't work out, is we just give up completely. Right? Well, I failed that test. Forget it. Might as well just fail the class. Okay? Right? We've had that. Uh, that happened. But unfortunately, neither the type A hyper control thing or the give up completely thing generally get us the outcome we want. Like neither of those is really the effective way to get the result we desire. So now I'm going to take a look at a guy in the Bible who, uh, ran, who thought he had control, uh, but then he didn't. Okay. This guy is called, all we know is he's called the centurion. We don't have a name for him. He's just called the centurion. Um, is and a centurion, you got to know, a centurion uh, has power, okay? Anybody know what centurion means, what that title means? Yes. He was in charge. How many? A hundred. Right. Cent, like century, okay? C -E, that C-E-N-T, this, this is a uh, STEM, right? The, your English teacher, you can tell him you learned what the C-E-N-T uh, a cent is one one hundredth of a dollar, okay, right? So uh, he was in charge of at least a hundred dudes, okay? He was keeping a 100, and uh, I know that was bad. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm so lame. It's okay. 
He had power. He had control. And these dudes listened to him. But in this moment, he has no control. We're in Matthew 8. I do have the U version. If you want to pull it out, you're welcome to. Um, or you can just look at the, the scriptures on the screen there. Matthew 8, starting in verse 5, said, uh, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. So like we talked about, a uh, centurion had at least 100 guys under his command. And, and this guy had to be a strong leader. right? In order to have 100 dudes listen to you, you have to be a pretty good leader. And so he is, and, uh, and, and, but he's in charge. But the problem is one of his guys here uh, gets really, really sick. And uh, so verse 6, the centurion, Lord, he said, My servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? So here's the issue. For all of his power, and the centurion had power, for all of his influence, and a centurion had influence, the problem is that in this situation, he's out of control. He cannot, hard as he might try, no matter how many guys he's got under him, he cannot make a sick dude healthy again. That's not in his, like, like when he fills out his resume and he's writing down all of his skills, making the sick better is not one of them that he writes down because he can't do it. And so he, he's in this situation where he is just out of control. He doesn't have the ability to fix it. Verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This is cool because this centurion is pretty self-aware. You guys ever met somebody who was not self-aware? Like they didn't know what was really weird about them or what was kind of annoying about them, right? Like everybody else knows it, but they don't, okay? This guy's not like that. The centurion gets it. He goes, listen, Jesus, I know what it's like to have power. I've got guys under me. And all I have to do when I want one of those guys to, to, to do something is say the word. He says, uh... I tell this one, go and he goes, and that one come as he comes. He's like, so listen, I don't actually have to get down in the trenches and do stuff because I've got guys who will listen to me and will do that. He's, and so what he's saying is, Jesus, just like I know that, but you know what, I've got bosses too, and so when they say come, I come. When they say go, I go. So he really understands this whole authority control uh, paradigm. He, he's got it. He, it's, it's, it makes sense to him. But what is going on here, he says, so Jesus, I don't have the control to just say the word and make this happen. But Jesus, you do. He says, you don't even have to come. He's like, you can just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come into my house. I don't deserve to have you around in my house. But say the word and my servant will be healed. And so when he says, hey, Jesus, just say the word, he's acknowledging who has the authority. He's, he's saying, look, Jesus, this is your deal. This is your ball game. You have the authority to do this, so, so do it. And, and he didn't have to try harder because he knew there was nothing he could do. He didn't have to just quit trying and be like, well, I guess that dude's dead. Somebody send me a replacement. You know, that's not where he's at. He had a third option, and that was let somebody else take control. And see, that's the third option we have. We talked earlier about how we try harder or we give up. But we actually have a third option, which is to let somebody else take control. It's like 
um, when you're a little kid, you know, when you're a little kid and um, when you were, when you were like learning how to swim, right now, I don't know if you guys, I don't remember learning how to swim because I'm pretty sure I was like one. When I learned, like my parents would just throw me in the pool and let me figure it out. Is I'm pretty sure the way I learned how to swim. But, uh, but, but you know, I'm not literally, you know what I mean. But you know, there was a time when I was little and I was learning how to swim, and I was trying to try harder to get to the wall or to the edge or whatever. But 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 I was running out of energy, and so then my other option, okay, I'm just going to sink. But luckily, I had somebody bigger than me who had more control than I did to help me out. And that's the same thing. This guy's like, listen, I can't do it. Uh, I'm not going to give up, so I'm going to let you take control because you can. And so when we realize that we can't control something, we have to trust the one who can control it. Matthew 8, 13. We're going to skip a few verses on. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When the servant recognized and, and, and admitted that Jesus had more control than he did, the situation was resolved. It was just that simple. When the servant realized that Jesus had more control than, than, the, servant, or than the centurion did, the situation got, got resolved. But if we're like us, we're all like this, our natural desire is to be in control. Okay? But God wants us to get to this place where we acknowledge Jesus' authority in everything. Even when we wish things would go differently, we have to acknowledge Jesus' authority. And here's kind of the, the, the application. Here's three little steps to how we get to this point and how we do that. First thing first, realize that you are not in control. See, I can't control my circumstances, and you can't control your circumstances. Right? How many times you, we all wish we could, but we, we simply can't. But what we can control is what? Ourselves and our response to it. You may have heard teachers say that. may have heard me say that. You know, so like I've got this phone, and if I choose to just throw it over there, See, Alex didn't have control over whether or not I was going to throw it. He did have control over whether or not he caught it, which he didn't. He wasn't prepared. That was the goal, but that was actually the point of the illustration. But he, and that's why I have an otter box. It's okay. You can toss it back up here. Thanks. That's why I buy good cases. It's worth the 50 bucks. But um, we... You know, we can't control what happens to us, but we control our reaction to it. So that's the first thing. Realize that you are not in control. Second thing is this. Embrace the fact that you're not in control. Okay? Embrace the fact that you're not, which is different. Because it's one thing to realize something is true. It's another thing to actually, like, accept it and come to terms with it. It's like this. Um, I have, like... And you probably have cousins that you don't see that often, okay? Like I have cousins that I've only seen four or five times in my life. Um, and so when I do see them, it's a little bit awkward um, because we're family, and so like theoretically we should hug. 
but I barely know this person, and I'm not like a super hugger. Like you guys know, I'm, a, I'm all about fist bumps and high fives and handshakes, but not like a super hugger guy. Um, and so, like, it's one thing to say, yes, I recognize that this person is family. It's another thing to actually go on in for the hug and embrace him. And it's the same thing. It's one thing to, to know, yes, okay, I'm not in control, but to really, like, accept that and let it sink in is different. Because the problem is we don't always know what's best for us, even though we kind of think we do. Fact is, we don't. Imagine this. Uh, let me put it like this. I want all of you to close your eyes for a second. We're going to do a little mental visualization here, okay? Imagine that you are driving, all right, and you're late, okay, and you're hauling tail. You, you, you know, the road seems open. You're like, all right, I got this. I'm going to make it. And your mom calls, and she says, listening, she says, listen, I was watching the news, and I saw about four miles ahead of you, there's a bad wreck. The road's blocked. Traffic has stopped. It's a parking lot out there. You need to go, you need to turn off and take a different route. This is a situation where, as far as you can see, everything is cool. You can't see four miles up. You can only see the whatever quarter, half mile in front of you, mile maybe if you're really out in the middle of nowhere and you're top of a hill, and everything looks good, but your mom and that news helicopter have a better view. They have more perspective, and they can see four miles down the road that accident. You can open your eyes now. See, in that case, your mom has more perspective, and she can see further than you can, and so can God. See, we can only see our little bubble, our little situation the immediate impact, but God can see a lot further. You guys have heard of the butterfly effect? Okay, that's a weird movie, but uh, I don't know if it, yeah, it was weird, but uh, don't watch it, y'all. It's it's not really like for youth. It's kind of a it's a pretty it's pretty uh, yeah pretty heavy, pretty adult. But um, I think it's rated R for a reason. So here's the point, though. The idea of the butterfly effect is this: that if a butterfly flaps its wings in Thailand, it can cause a tsunami in California, okay? That, that a little wave that starts here becomes a much bigger wave further down. And so God can see that. He can see the impact of our actions. Our, what we think are little unimportant actions can have huge rippling effects later down the road. And so we have to realize that, that you know what, I'm not in control and God's view is better than mine and he probably knows what's actually best for me. And here's the third thing we got to do. We got to submit to God's control and authority because when our ability runs out, his keeps going. You know, people think of, of Christianity, people who don't know any better think of Christianity as just a bunch of rules, but it's like this. If you live right next to a busy highway, your parents would put up a fence, right, so that you don't go playing on 42nd Street because you die. And that's how God is. God says, you know what? I know you want to you wanna go do this thing, but I've got you, you know, I put something in your path for a reason because it's probably not great for you. And so when we say, you know, you know, sometimes we just climb the fence. Like, forget you, I'm doing it anyways. Pow! You know, truck on 42nd Street. But when we submit, we say, all right, God, I'll stay inside the fence. I'll, I'll, I'll stay in your, in your will. Then 
then amazing things happen in our lives. What if you started believing today that God cared as much about your life as you do? See, that's part of our control issue is we're convinced that nobody cares about us as much as we do, right? We, you got to look out for number one because nobody else is going to look out for you. That's what, that's what culture will tell you. But God cares about us way more than we could possibly care for ourselves. We don't have the ability to care that much about ourselves. And so even when we're not sure, even when it's scary, would you be willing to choose to allow him to be in charge? I want you to think about this. What would that look like for you? Like, let's think real specific. Let's think real practical. Uh, What can you do this week to, uh, to let God have more control of your life? Might be in your friendships. Might be in your relationship with your parents or with your other authority figures. Might just be in your weekend plans. What if I gave God more control this week? Oftentimes, surrender starts with prayer when we're surrendering to God. We've got to take our fears and our hopes and our expectations and our disappointments, and we just tell God about them. And then, like what the centurion said to Jesus, all right, God, here's the things that I'm not sure about. Here's the things that I am trying to control And then, just like the centurion said, you say the word, God. You make the final call. I'm going to let you be in charge, and I'm going to ask you to help me if things don't go the way I think they should. I can speak from experience that whenever I let Jesus be in charge, it's a good decision. Not because everything is perfect, but because that's how we learn to count on Jesus in the midst of, of issues. You know, and I realize that when, when my ability runs out, his keeps going. I think about, you know, in my own life, um, even the decision to move here. Some of you guys know my story. Some of you don't. The, the short version is this. I was teaching high school band, um, and in March of 2011, I decided I wasn't going to come back the next year. I told the principal and the students that. And so come June, when school ended, I didn't have a job. Right. And so the control freak in me said, keep teaching. This is a job you already have. Keep it. Right. But I knew that that's not what God had for me. I knew that that wasn't God's best for me in that moment in my life. And and some of the people uh, in my life did not understand that. Some of, a lot of the band parents it, it had some really funny conversations because because, you know, I made the announcement to the whole band and, and to the adults and whatnot. And, and so they come up at, after the meeting and they're like, oh, so, so, so what job are you going to have now? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm, you know, I, I, t- I, I was planning on going into ministry, um, being a pastor somewhere. They're like, oh, so where are you going to go? I don't know. How much are you going to get paid? Good question. You know, the, I had no answers because in that moment I was just sending out resumes and praying, right? Like that's all I could do. Um, but that's how I ended up here. And the last four and a half years have been probably my favorite four and a half years of my life. You know, I love you guys. I love getting to do what I do. I love hanging out with y'all and getting to know you and getting to uh, walk with you through, these, through, through your lives. It's so much fun. I, like, I really do. I have the greatest job in the world. I'm convinced of it. But if I had been all control freak, 
and said, you know what, I'm just going to keep this job until I die. No, or until, you know, until something else bigger changes, until I'm forced to change. I don't, I don't know what that would have looked like. It would have been bad, probably. And so in your life, there is something, I would almost guarantee, there's something in your life that you are trying so hard to control, but God wants control. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And hopefully by now something has, has popped in your head, something has come up that you uh, are, you know, are thinking of that you've been trying to control. And I want you to just, in your heart, confess that to God and, and give him control. Just like the centurion said, God, you say the word and you can do whatever you want. So I'm giving you the authority to do that. God, I pray for these students right now. I pray that whatever is going on in their hearts, whatever is going on in their minds, whether it be uh, something that, that, that has to do with a relationship, something that has to do with, um, with an activity they're involved in, whatever is going on in their head right now, whatever that thing is that they're trying to control, God, I pray that you would have control. Right now we give those things up to you. We give you the authority and the, we recognize your authority that you already have, God, and we give you permission to say the word. Whatever word you want to say, whether or not it's the way we think it should go or not, Lord, we give you permission to take control of our lives. God, we thank you that you have got our best in mind. Lord, that you have a view, a bird's eye view far bigger than what we do of our lives. And so we are grateful for that. God, we thank you in advance for the outcome that is, going to, that is going to happen. We thank you in advance for the good work that you are doing in our lives. God, in the name we pray. Amen.